The book was better. Hello. And welcome to the Book Was Better podcast. It's weird saying that so quickly again, because we just recorded a mini-sode. So it's like the second time that we're saying like hello in the last like half an hour, but hello, it's hello, being released a week apart. So, yep. Um, I oh. am Taylor Collette. I am Kaylee Clark, and we are the hosts of the Book Was Better podcast, where we analyze books and their movie adaptations and have a good long chat about them. <laughs> Sometimes. Here's the thing. I think the longer that we do this, the better we're getting at being more concise. And yeah, I think we ramble narrowing less. Narrowing down our thoughts and rambling less. Because I think it also helps that we're not as passionate about the differences for these ones. Like we started with the Harry Potter series, which I have had thoughts on for the past like 15 years of my life. True. <laughs> True, true. It's been building for a while. Just wait till we get to like Percy Jackson because that's another yeah. doozy. So but. I feel like on those ones where I've had a lot of time to be upset, then I have more to say. Whereas on, you know, ones like The Hunger Games and P.S. I Love You, it was more like. I don't know. I see. See, there's a thing because I still felt very passionate about a lot of the changes and things in The Hunger Games and in these other book series but again I just feel like we we know more specifically what we want to talk about in Target and mm. so we don't beat around the bush as much before finally getting to our point. Fair. We're getting helps. better at just telling it like it is. Yeah. But before we get into today's topic I did want to just mention one thing. <laughs> so in last week's episode I realized that when I was talking about Jeffrey Dean Morgan I called him Henry Dean Morgan. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even know his son's name. Lol. I follow him and his wife on Instagram and I'm pretty sure that their son's name is Henry. And that's why I thought Henry Dean Morgan. But no, his name is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So, yeah, when we were talking about P.S. I Love You and we were talking about why was that character in the movie as much as I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the actor. Good job. Not Henry Dean Morgan. So just a little quick correction there. No, he does not have a son named Henry. And why do I think? I don't know. His children's names are George and Augustus. Uh, weird. Where I don't know where I got Henry from then. I don't either. Where did I get Henry from? I don't know. Cool. Well. Anyways. Cool. Well, that, that was my one thing from last week. Okay. Do you have any announcements or anything? Uh, I don't think so. I think I've said all I need to say in past episodes. Reading calendar. Check it out. Social, Social media. media. <laughs> at TBWD podcast. Happy spring. Even Happy though spring. it's literally snowing outside my window right now. It is I'm technically sorry. the first day of spring has arrived. So that, here's yeah. looking forward to hopefully warmer weather for us people who I, live in places where it's I cold. I was like, I, I have warm weather all the time. <laughs> um, Freaking Hawaii. Yeah. Um, I perfect will, all the time. 
hey, it's not perfect by any means. We get wind and rain and tsunami warnings and flood, flash flood warnings. <laughs> I will say really quick, though, we are so close to 100 followers on our Instagram account. And once we hit 100 followers on Instagram, we will be doing a giveaway. We're 11 so, away. We're currently at 89. So if you want to, you know, do us a favor and share our page on your Instagram uh, so we can get to that 100 mark and do our giveaway. We're really excited for it. We have some really cool stuff lined up for that. Uh, so and if you haven't followed, followed us on Instagram, please go do it. And then you can get involved in the giveaway when it comes and maybe win some fun prizes. So that's yeah. that's the announcement, I guess. Good, good announcement. Hmm. OK, we are starting a new series. We are beginning the Maze Runner series Woot. by James Dashner. So good. Which is, yeah, really good. We'll get, you know, the fun, not so, depending on who you are, fun or not so fun. <laughs> Details out of the way first, right? Mm -hmm. So... So the movie, The Maze Runner, was released in 2014. I always like to kind of keep in mind the timing of when. Which is crazy because I really thought it was more recent than that. Right. In my head, it was way recent. And then I was like, what? I was <laughs> like, I do years? not remember it coming no. out that long ago. <laughs> I don't That's crazy. remember it. So, yeah. So the book, the movie came out in 2014 and the book was much earlier than that. What, when did the book first get published? Oh, geez. I don't know. I mean, I have written down 2010, but for some reason in my head, that's wrong. I thought it was earlier than that, but maybe not. I, I thought it was earlier than that, too. Okay, 2009. Well, wow. October okay. 6th, 2009. There we go. Wow. So it's like took five years to become a movie which really that's not bad good job Dame james dashner but yeah good on you james. so the movie was directed by wes ball the screenplay this movie had three screenplay writers which is a lot wow. compared to the movies we've already talked about so and i don't know if they list them in any order of importance but i wrote them <laughs> down in that order so we've got noah oppenheim grant pierce myers and t.s nolan or Nowlin, depending on how that's supposed to be pronounced. Cool. So three different screenplay writers. It didn't look like James Dashner, the original author, had really any input or say on the movie from okay. what I could find. The original music was by John Paisano. And I actually I think that's the one consistent thing across all the movies is the music is always really good. Like mm -hmm. it's hard for the music person to do a bad job. The, I want to say choreographer and that's not right. Cause that's somebody who creates dances. What is the word I'm looking for, for the musician person? Composer. Composer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the choreographer. <laughs> and then a new thing that I am going to start including, because I feel like every episode we do talk about the casting in some way, mm. shape or form, whether good or bad. Mm -hmm. So the casting director for this movie was Denise Shamian. Shamian. I don't. You never, you never, you never look them up. 
Listen, if it was C-H-A-M-A-I-N, it would be really easy and just be Shemaine. But it's C-H-A-M-I-A-N. So is it Shemayan? Shemian? Probably just Shemaine again. Sometimes they do that. <sighs> is it Celtic Either or way. Gaelic? Because then it could be. But anyway, so that's who did the casting. Good on you, Denise. And yeah, I think she did an excellent job. I mean, there's probably other people that help with casting, but she was the director, so she's yeah. getting the credit right now. Um, if that ain't Hollywood, I don't know what is. Yeah, sorry, other people. Okay, here goes quick summary, plot summary. That's what I was looking for. But um, So the story revolves around a boy named Thomas, and the story starts out with him waking up in a dark elevator where he is... Lifted to a community of boys. Um, his memory is lost. All he remembers is his name. But he soon learns that they're trapped in a maze. And they and then he slowly gets more and more of his memories back. And then suddenly or so it's not suddenly. So in this is something that differs between the book and the movie. But after he arrives, a girl arrives and a girl had never arrived before. And after she arrives, then like everything changes and they really have to find a way out of the maze. There you go. There's my I don't think I had spoilers really in there. But if you're listening to this episode, like there's going to be spoilers like our podcast is not spoiler free. So many sods are spoiler free. Many episodes are free. Episodes are not. But yeah. Um, And then. I think I go first this week because you went first last week, yeah? I believe so. I know we already talked about this and I've already forgotten, so <laughs> it's fine. So in three, two, one order, my number three grievance isn't necessarily a grievance. Um, it is definitely a big difference between the book and the movie, and that's that there is no telepathic communication mm. between Thomas and Teresa in the movie. However, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing because I imagine that that could have been really confusing and it would have just been like a bunch of voiceover. It would have had to been, yeah. Like a bunch of voiceover. And it's it's already hard enough, I think, to convey everything that you need to to get a storyline across from like a longer book, you know, into like a two hour chunk of time Mm -hmm. in a movie right like we talk about that all the time on this podcast about the difficulties that that you know must bring so I think because the storyline is already very complex and Mm -hmm. I mean the the whole book the whole storyline is about basically a giant puzzle you know it's a giant game or puzzle that they're trying to figure out and for those people who have not read the book and just watched the movie I think adding that telepathy between them would have just made it even more complex and complicated and it probably would have taken away from the actual storyline and it would have been harder to explain why they have that connection you know it's just so they showed their connection in other ways Mm -hmm. well without mm. the telepathy i mean they Mm. tried to listen they tried i'm not gonna say they did a great job at it um, that would be my main we'll complaint get to it. We'll get with to the that. lack of telepathy, <laughs> but I understand why they didn't have it. And it didn't bother me that much. 
you know, it's almost like the Effie Trinket thing, right? Where they added, instead of adding something in this case, they took something away, but it's like, I don't hate, I'm not mad at it. You know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm I don't not hate it. it. Like I'm not mad about it. Like <laughs> I still really enjoyed the movie. So, and I think that's a big thing too, before we really get into this too much, um, because my next two are technical, technically actual grievances. Like they're not positives that are a bit, are a difference, but like, I really like this movie. This movie's really good. Like, I it's actually, really good and really entertaining. I actually despite the movie. how different it is from the book. <laughs> like, I, I was like trying to figure out. I was like, should I just rent it? Should I buy it? And I was like, no. I remember it was a really good movie, so I actually bought it. So I own it now because I'm like, I'll watch it again. It's well, actually a really good movie. Yeah, it's really good. And what's so funny is, despite how much I liked this movie, and I was so excited for the next ones to come out, I haven't seen the next. Movies. I haven't seen the rest of them. I think I've seen the second one. Actually, no, I don't know if I have seen the Scorch Trials. It doesn't make any I sense. Know, I know I, really I haven't seen. I know I haven't seen the Death Cure because I was in Japan when it came out. So I know I haven't seen that one. But I can't remember if I've seen the Scorch Trials or not. So when I watch it, I'll have to see if it feels familiar. But yeah, so I really like the movie. And with that, this was a change. This was a difference that I didn't mind. And I mean, there was a lot of changes and different, right? Like I'm going to keep calling back to previous things we've talked about, but right. Like when we talked about PS, I love you last mm -hmm. episode, there were massive, massive differences between the book and the movie. Like they're almost yes. two entirely different things. Yeah. And I really don't like the movie. Even when I look as, at the movie and book, of P.S. I Love You is completely separate things and don't even draw like a line connecting no, them. No, I would I never really watch enjoy that movie, the movie again. that much. I would never watch it again. Yeah, no, it's just not great. Whereas with The Maze Runner, you know, even if I don't draw a line connecting them and I and I separate them in my head as two completely different separate things. I like both. I like both of them and I really like mm -hmm. a lot about both of them, even though there are quite a few significant differences and changes between yeah. the movie and the book. This is an example of making changes to a story while still keeping it interesting and fun to watch and intense and in the spirit of the book. Right. So, so, so yeah, so that was my number three. And then I went off on a little bit of a tangent there. Sorry, but <laughs> you're good. Uh, my number three is also a, not a grievance because I couldn't think of three major problems I have between the two. Right. Um, mine's a good thing. And that is the casting. Like when I read the book, you know how when you read a book, you kind of have pictures in your head of what you oh, think yeah. all the characters look like. And they were pretty spot on, like, with mm -hmm. this casting. Like, Newt's hair wasn't long enough, but... But, like, <laughs> Dylan O'Brien is an amazing Thomas. Oh, yeah. I, I think his acting is great. I think that he really captivates the audience. Um, he's great. And then uh, Ki Hong Lee, who plays Minho, yeah, was, like, just how I pictured him. Like, they did a really good job. I love that they were true to keeping him of Korean descent. 
Right. Um, that was something that too was that great. I really, I mean, that's something I appreciate about the book and the movie is how racially diverse like the cast mm-hmm. is. Because Albie played by, I don't know how, Amil, it's A-M-L. I, I, I don't know how to say that properly. Amil There's not Amin? like a little. No, um, it's just A-M-L. There's not like a, a what is it? Like phonetic? No. Amilamine, no. um, who plays Albie, he's great. Um, he's got a very like powerful, like con- like commanding presence. Mm-hmm. I guess that you could say he's great. Um, Thomas Brody Sangster, Thomas Brody Sangster. <laughs> who plays Newt. I mean, he's great. I'm glad that they kept his accent, um, and that he just like was the skinnier kind of scrawnier guy um but he did a great job also side note that i learned when looking up the casting Mm -hmm. and this is totally random and i apologize for the tangent i did not realize that thomas brody sangster was ferb from phineas and ferb (laughs) you went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there looking at other things he's done (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why it was so crazy to me to like see that that's who he was and then watch the movie and be like, this is so weird that he is the same boy. <laughs> that's so funny. See, because the most recent thing that I've seen Thomas Brody Sangster in is mm-hmm. that chess movie. Or it's not oh, a movie. It's a TV it's a series show. on the, the Queen's the Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Yeah. He's great. It's the most recent thing I've seen him in. And yeah, he's just a he's very... Um, well-rounded. That's not it. But he can do a lot of things. So it's not well. He's maybe yeah. he is well-rounded. But well-rounded. Like, yeah, he's a well-rounded he can, actor. Yeah, he can do a lot of different parts. He can play mm-hmm. a lot of different parts. So, um, Blake Cooper, who played Chuck, pulled at my freaking heartstrings. I know. He, oh my goodness, he was cast perfectly. Like that. He's just like this little kid who you just want to like hug and protect. so weird it seeing pictures of him job. now though because he's not a kid anymore no he's much older <laughs> yes um because when you think will, this movie was t- it's seven years old so oh jeez. uh will poulter as a uh, galley also really he did a really good job mm-hmm. conveying all those emotions um and kaya 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 i think Sco- it's kaya scotelario <laughs> Uh, who played Teresa. While I blame the uh, script writers more for not giving her a lot to work with, we don't really get to see her acting abilities come across very much. But looks-wise, she's pretty much exactly how I pictured Teresa. So that was really good. Well, and that's something, too, that I personally feel like is one of the easiest things, or should be one of the easiest things, for casting directors and casting people to do is get the look right because that's normally something that in books it's like very well described what yeah especially the main characters like what they look like it's hard to like blame it on not knowing exactly clearly just disregarding right so that's something that I mean, I won't go into it now. It's not a book we've talked about yet, but there are definitely plenty of books and examples where when I go to watch the movie, I'm like, 
most basic part of this character is that they have black hair and you gave her red hair, you know, like it's just. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then the only other person I'll talk about um, was Patricia Clarkson, who played Ava Page. The I love that actress, too. Scientist lady. She's hilarious. I remember her from Parks and Rec. She was great. But Another she, extremely well-rounded. She can play so many different parts. It's just, mm-hmm. but she again, was just great. such a phenomenal cast. Just phenomenal she, cast. She was really good. So, yeah, that's my number three. Not really a grievance, more like a a compliment um, to the casting. So, yeah, good on you, Denise. You did a great job. I really like all the actors. And I'm curious to see going forward with the next two movies, because obviously they carry a lot of the same actors over. Mm -hmm. But with the additional new characters, I'm curious how I will feel about them. Yeah. So we'll see. Mm hmm. Okay, so speaking of casting and things, uh, so my number two is talking a little bit more about Albie and his character, um, because, Mm -hmm. again, I really liked, um, I do think it's Amal. I think that's how you say that. Amal Amin Mm -hmm. in that position Mm -hmm. and in that as as Albie. Like, I think looks wise, he had it down. And I think if he had been given right like the right scripting and stuff i think he had the personality down too but my big thing is in the bixby i'm not talking to you my phone just she does that sometimes (laughs) um (laughs) my big thing is in the book as like from the beginning there's a bit more tension between thomas and albie and Uh in the movie albie's just really nice yeah, he definitely takes on more of like an older brother vibe yeah, from the get go. Like this kind leader who just, you know, takes Thomas in under his wing, you know, is kind of what I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the book, he's, he's a little rough right from the beginning. And he's and abrasive. Newt, he's very sure. abrasive. That's a good word for it. And Newt right from the beginning is like, OK, man, like maybe tone it down a bit, pull back a bit like you're hurting more than you're helping right now. (laughs) Yeah. And, and there's, there's that negative tension. That's not exactly how I would want to word it, but my words are escaping me right now as they normally do when we do this podcast. How lovely of my brain to do that to me. But (laughs) it's just, it takes longer for there to be like that trust and like it takes a while for him to warm up to Thomas. Mm-hmm. He is just as skeptical of Thomas as, as everyone, everyone else. else. Yeah. Like he's not like, here, let me show you around here. Let me explain everything going on. Yes, I will. Yeah, let's he, do this. He just like kind now. of th- it's it's in the book. It's like drinking from a fire hose information. Whereas in the movie, it's like, let me sit you down for an orientation, you know, like two very different ways of training. Well, it also is different because in the book, it's not like the the box comes up once a month and brings a greenie every time. And it's this routine. And like, yeah, that's not how it happens in the the book. book. Supplies come up weekly. Yeah. And sometimes there's a greenie and sometimes there's not. It's kind of random. Yeah. So when a new one shows up, they're all like, "Okay, what's going on? Like, why did you show up now? Whereas in the movie, 
It's like, welcome, new greenie. We were expecting you. We were expecting you. you. Yeah. <laughs> this happens regularly. So, yeah, I just, again, it's not a huge deal, but I, I, in the context of everybody else being a little weirded out by Thomas, right, it didn't make sense to me that Albie also wouldn't be, right? I don't know how to word that right, but. <laughs> like, mm. Because it's like, eventually he has friends. But in mm-hmm. the book, Thomas is a lot more secluded. That's not the word I want. I'm, I'm trying to think how to word what you're thinking. He's just not like, as He doesn't sleep with the rest quickly. of the Gladers. He doesn't hang out with a bunch of people. He spends majority of his time in the maze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sleeps, he sleeps like in a corner. in the woods, in the corner, by the maze, like... Yeah, he's a lot more of a loner, um, and he's not as accepted of the group as it the movie has him be accepted. And it takes a lot longer for everyone to warm up to him and to trust him and mm-hmm. to accept his ideas. And so that's why in the end, when they all decide to go, it's a big deal because they're like, all right, we're going to trust you. We didn't necessarily trust you from the get go, whereas in the movie, they're like, yeah, OK, you're doing OK. Yeah, we're doing this now. Well, OK, and it sure. Makes- It makes Albie's sacrifice that much more powerful to me, too. Because to be fair, the sacrifice doesn't even happen in the movie. True. (laughs) I mean, he still dies in the movie, but but it's not the it's not the the same. same. Um, But it makes it makes his death more impactful and powerful Mm -hmm. because you know he didn't like Thomas. He. And and but he, you know, like that growth. It's that character development and that growth that I just love seeing. Yeah. So Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'd that's, say that's one that's of the two. biggest differences is Albie and how they have Albie and the fact that they don't have Albie sacrifice himself at the end to let them mm-hmm. all escape. Like he sacrifices himself for them to escape. He doesn't just die. die. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like a bit bigger of a deal. Like he almost made it out. Like it was so close. Mm -hmm. And then he sacrificed himself so that the rest could make it. And it's just speaking of which, this is another I guess this is an honorable mention. But and I and I understand why they did that this way, because, again, budgets and, and things for movies. But in the movie, like nine whole people survive. And in the Mm -hmm. book, there's like at least 20. 20. There's 20 of them. There's supposed to be 40 that get out of that, like, go to leave. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, 21 that make it into the thing and then 20 who survive because <laughs> Chuck dies. Well, technically 22 because Galley also. Yeah, but he really like, wasn't with the group, you mm-hmm. know. So. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. I get that. Um, and off of that, my number two is kind of similar with just some character differences. Um, like with Minho, he's more of like a, a like jock kind of personality in the book, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Like he's more outspoken and he kind of like almost shows off a little bit, like with how strong he is. Like he it, it, like in the book right from the beginning 
right? Like, I think it's like page three or something. It talks about how he wears his shirt and rolls his sleeves up a certain way to like specifically yeah. show off his biceps. Like he's. He's a bit of a jock. He's he's Which, very proud of how strong he is. And I really like because I feel like you very rarely see Asian characters portrayed in that way. I feel like every time I've read a book or seen a movie with an Asian character, they're like the smart calculating one mm-hmm. who is like Falling the nerdy into those stereotypes. one. Yeah. And I'm like, it was kind of cool to be like those prejudices. Oh, yeah. He's like super ripped and like dope and awesome. And I felt like he was so reserved in the movie. Yeah, I wanted to see him come out of his he shell was a lot more. more quiet and shy for sure. And like he was almost afraid in the maze. Yeah, like and when he shouldn't have been. He's super he's brave. Not, he's not supposed to be that afraid. Like uh-uh. yeah, he's freaked out by the grievers. Who wouldn't be? Who but wouldn't like exactly. <laughs> he's not like helping him and then he's just like you're on your own and he runs away cuz he's so freaked out like that's not Minho. And so nope. in the book it makes sense when Minho's like taking charge at the end and helping and like getting all of it like getting stuff done mm-hmm. whereas in the movie it's like he almost has this like flip of like okay i'm ready now to step up and be brave and because thomas has convinced me there's hope again and mm-hmm. so i thought that was an interesting choice on minho's part um teresa uh, teresa it falls a little flat. <laughs> she just, I felt like because, and we kind of talked about this with your number three, taking out the telepathy, they kind of took out a lot of her character with that. And I wish they had added yeah. back in something in return. So even if it was her and Thomas having more just out loud conversations, like up on yeah, top of that, the tower. That something. is one of the downsides of the taking out the telepathy is you In the book, you get to know a lot about their personalities and things through those private conversations that Mm -hmm. you then don't see in the movie. I mean, I think they they, they still do show them having like one on one conversations out loud and stuff, trying to build that connection. But it it it, it does make her character fall a little more flat. Well, and she is supposed to be very involved. I mean, yes, the first half of the book, she's like comatose. Like she's comatose for a lot longer in the book than she is in the movie. movie. And I'm fine with her just waking up because I'm like, there's no point in wasting time in the movie with her being just conked out. But she is supposed to be more involved in solving the riddles and the puzzles and figuring the maze out. And she's Mm -hmm. supposed to be a more involved character who's shown to be very smart because that's kind of like part of the reason she she was (laughs) on the team with Thomas, like because she's very smart. Um, And I just felt like we didn't get to see that as much. And she was kind of just there half the time, like just kind of present just as so that an it's omen like, or a sign like <laughs> yeah it's like oh yes she is the female you're like <laughs> okay cool thanks for giving us a female character who kind of just stands there half the time yeah so i wish i could have seen more with teresa newt was really good except he's supposed to have a limp which i thought was like kind of a cool thing to show that like he survives and gets mm-hmm. out of the maze, even with a limp, which is an impressive thing. Yeah, But they took that out. 
Which I kind of get why they did, but I kind of also wish it had been included. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the last one I want to talk about is Galley because he is totally, not totally different, but his motives are totally different in the book versus the movie. Because in the book, they have the like the the serum, the griever serum from the get go. It's not mm-hmm. like it shows up in Teresa's pocket and they're like, what is this stuff? And then Albie's the first person to have it or whatever. They've had it from the get-go, and they have this thing called the changing, where after you get stung by a griever, they give you the serum, you go through this changing process, which is, like, really intense, and then you, like, gain some of your memories back. And so Galley had gone through the changing already when Thomas arrives, and he recognizes Thomas because he knows who Thomas is. And so that's why he doesn't like like him so much. Yeah. And Galley doesn't want to tell everyone what he knows because he doesn't want to like totally kill everyone's hope. Um, But he knows that outside of the maze, there's not much for them. Like he knows that it's all just a test and it's just going to keep going. And so that's why he doesn't want to try to leave the maze because he doesn't want to keep dealing with this. And he doesn't trust Thomas and he... Like, it just makes more sense when you realize he knows who Thomas is and that's why he's so untrusting of him. Rather than in the movie, he just seems like this, like, really, like, he's a jerk. And then he's, like, weirdly obsessed with the maze and not wanting to leave. Mm -hmm. And, like, he, like, takes over, like, this dictator role there at the end, like, taking over and being like, we're going to sacrifice you and... I just thought it was interesting that they decided to make those changes because it was almost like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really like, changed. No, that's not. It changed how I felt about Galley. Yeah. Um, and his death at the end is like a little different because I feel like in the book you like kind of saw it coming where he like he's hated Thomas the whole time. Mm-hmm. Once they finally get out, he's like, no, like it's still it still isn't going to end. Whereas in the movie, because he's like kind of in the middle of getting his memories back and he's like kind of looks insane as he's like got that going on. And then he tries to kill Thomas, like just doesn't hit the same. Yeah. Also, there's no guns, but whatever. No, it's supposed to be a knife, but whatever. guess a gun is cleaner. Yeah. Less, Less traumatizing to see. Yeah. Somebody with a knife sticking out of their chest? I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is my number two. Just like a few changes that they made to some of the characters that were interesting. Yeah. Before I get to my number one, I've already mentioned a lot of my... Honorable uh, mentions. Honorable mentions. But one other one is that there's no beetle blades in the movie. Yeah, the beetle blades. I was going to mention those. Instead, there's just like cameras <laughs> yeah it's not quite as like interesting dystopian <laughs> mm-hmm. for um, those who haven't read the book beetle blades are like little like lizard caterpillar lizard looking things uh, i kind of picture them like centipedes but they're centipede looking things bigger than but they're me- metal like they're robot they're metallic they're robotic, and they say metallic wicked on them and they have red eyes mm-hmm. and they are just everywhere. And they the people in the maze don't know what they're for. But we know that they film everything. They let 
yeah, they relay information back to the creators and they also can tell the grievers where, where the gladers are. Yes. They can pinpoint their locations. So, and I understand that it might've been too complicated to explain in the movie. So that's why they took it out. But I feel like the cameras in the just seem so boring. <laughs> like in the Hunger Games, they at least like had like the little like drone cameras and like they didn't really mm-hmm. have to explain much. Like we got it pretty quickly. And I think they could have done something similar in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah um, and then the only other honorable mention, I don't I, I know you plan on talking about Grievers a little bit more, but the just the Griever attack in the movie is just the totally different. Yeah, like the big one, one, like when the doors don't close anymore, is totally like, different between the it's two. It's like what we talked about where movies love to play up the drama. Things. And they wanted some big, intense fight scene. So they did that. Instead of what happens in the book is they just come in and take one boy every night. Yeah. And it's like drawn out over time and it's like creepier in my opinion. <laughs> but... The only um, two exactly see because I find that scarier than uh-huh. just like one giant like attack that kills yeah. half of them you know like yeah I think it's a lot scarier for them to just be slowly disappearing and their numbers just start to dwindle day after day you know I mean, like I the don't know. the book takes place over like months the movie is like a week <laughs> yeah like they really cut it down. Um, which is fine. I get it. Movie time. It's got to be sped up. I have two really quick honorable mentions that are really random. I thought it was interesting how the book Wicked is spelled out W-I-C-K-E-D, like Wicked. And in the movie, they decided to just do W-C-K-D. And I don't know why they decided no vowels, if they just thought it was cooler or they thought it was Mm -hmm. too obvious to have it actually be spelled out wicked. Yeah. So they were like, it's got to be subtler than that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is in the book, they've been in the maze for two years. And in the movie, they decided three years. Like what? Why? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> like the only thing well, I can think also, of is Albie apparently showed up by himself and not with a bunch when of people. He was, he was supposed to be like one of 30 who yeah. all just showed up at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So those, it's just little changes like that, that I'm like, but, but why you didn't need to change that. <laughs> all right. So that's my honorable mentions. What is your number one? Okay. So my number one, speaking of anti or movies liking to make things more dramatic, Hmm. This is something that I think they did that actually made it a little bit less dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. So my number one is in the movie when they escape the maze and they're into like that trials lab. headquarters, lab, whatever. They find all of the creators dead. Like there's nobody there. Like it's empty and it's just dead people. Whereas in the book... They escape with the creator still alive. Yeah. Like they're not dead. And the rescuers show up like so in the in the. I mean, that's another difference altogether, right? Between the book and the movie, because in in the book, I mean, in the movie, the rescuers show up in a helicopter. Yeah. To pick them all up. 
Whereas in the book, they come in a bus, right? I think it was a bus. In the book, it's a bus, yeah. Yeah, to take them all it's to a It's also the mazes, the mazes underground, whereas in the movie, the maze is above ground. Yeah. But, it, I mean, and that's something that, like, it's enclosed either way, right? That That's the mm-hmm. main idea is that, like, it's not truly the sky and the sun they were looking at. Like, they were inside all along, kind of like the arena in The Hunger Games. <laughs> like, yeah, it's an in- fully enclosed thing. Um, but... Yeah, so when the rescuers show up in the book, that's when they kill the creators. <laughs> like, in front they're of already all of them. out. Yeah, so. Um, and then they take them to a dorm, like a college dorm. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they, like, fly away in a helicopter all, like, CSI style or something. And so, yeah, I feel like. I don't know. I guess in some ways it's really eerie and creepy to be walking through like a completely deserted, like empty yeah. place. Yeah. But also if the creators were all dead already, why weren't the people who killed them still there? You know, like it, it almost didn't yeah. make complete sense to me that it would just be empty and deserted in one way or another. I assume there would be people there. So mm-hmm. um, I think that the. On, like, the one hand, the having the video play explaining everything was a much more concise, easy way for the film to explain, explain everything it. that had happened. Yeah. Like, with the images and everything. So I do get that part of it. But I feel like they still could have had the video and not had everyone be killed in the background of the video. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was just that. So that's. Something that I th- I thought it would have been really interesting to see it play out the way it actually played out in the book. So. Mm-hmm. But maybe it would have been, I don't know, too graphic. Graf- I don't know. Because those graphic scenes whole thing's were pretty, pretty graphic. graphic so. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So what's your number one? My number one is uh, a couple things all mixed into one. But we'll start with the Grievers. First of all. I hate them in the movie. I think that they totally ruined it. That is not what they were supposed to look like. And I'm <laughs> mad about it. This was the one thing I was passionate about with this movie. When I first read this book back in, I don't know, 2011, when I, I think it had been out a couple years when I read it, mm-hmm. I had nightmares about the Grievers because of how creepy they were described in the book and how I pictured them in my mind. They were freaking terrifying. And I remember having nightmares about them. Because they're described as essentially these, like, gelatinous blobs with just, like, spikes and needles and robotic arms just sticking out. Mm -hmm. And then they just, like, roll. Like, just, like, blobbish rolling. That's so, like, gross and creepy in my brain. I mean, I still think they were gross and creepy looking in the movie. But not as much. Like, they were not nightmare fueling in the movie. They were gross and creepy, but they were too robotic almost, you know? Like, the way they had almost robotic spider legs. robotic in the sense, too, where it was, it was, they looked too organized to me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be, like, chaotic. In the, yeah, in the way that they were described in the book, I felt like it was more random. Like, there Mm -hmm. was no order to where their spikes and spines and legs and limbs and stuff all were. It was just random. And they just, like, 
roll towards you. Just mm-hmm. this mass of chaos rolling towards you, I think is like so creepy. And I think the ones in the movie are more scary than creepy. And I feel like that's a lot of changes that we've kind of talked about where they wanted it to be more scary, thriller, intense rather than like eerie and creepy, which is Mm -hmm. the vibe I get more from the book. Yeah. So I wish they had had like if you Google like fan art of the Grievers, you can find some on there, which are like pretty much exactly how I pictured them. And I'll probably post a couple of those on our social media um, after this episode goes live. And I will, um, I mean, let me know, because maybe this is just me. Let me know which (laughs) you think is worse, the one in the movie or the one in the book. I'll post a side by side. Which one's scarier? And tell me which one you think is scarier. I think the book is way creepier. That being said, that was just a problem I had, I mean, with the whole thing. But (laughs) with the Grievers, well, they don't actually like have that scene where thomas runs through and like the other griever gets crushed so that doesn't happen in the book no they somehow get it to get they somehow push it off the cliff right but it doesn't actually even die when they push it no off the cliff. it doesn't yeah um so there's no homing they're beacon impossible thing. to kill no <laughs> there's no homing beacon thing in the book they just find off of the cliff there's one spot where they're throwing stones And it, like, vanishes instead of falling to the bottom. And they realize it's, like, this invisible door where the Grievers go back to. And they realize, okay, in there, that's the exit. Because Thomas is getting his memories back. And Mm -hmm. he remembers there's some kind of computer where you put in a code. And that's how you get out. There's none of the, like, intense running and following and running because the doors are closing again it's very dramatic um (laughs) so the way they find it is different um and then the way they get out and they all leave is like a little different it's not quite as intense again people Um, do die right mm -hmm. like we've already mentioned that like a, a huge chunk of them enter the maze to get out and half of them and but the thing is thomas and Teresa and chuck i think go into the hole first and punch in the code while everyone else is still fighting outside and the code shuts down the grievers and then they bring everyone who survived in with them mm-hmm. and with the code i feel like the way they did in the movie was too easy like, well, yeah, especially was, when the whole thing supposed to be simple. a giant puzzle. <laughs> like, it's just like Minho's just off of his head, like top of his head. He's like, yeah, I mean, they go in this order and they open different sections. That's not a thing in the book. What does happen in the book is they map out on paper. They don't have like the big scale model as cool as that was. Um, they map out on paper each of the different rotations, like formations of the maze Mm -hmm. and they're like it's the same ones every month like it's on a cycle every month we can't figure out why and then it's Teresa and Thomas who work with them to figure out that they spell out if you overlay them they spell out words and those words are what you have to type into the computer to unlock it shut down the grievers and get out 
And the thing is, the whole purpose of the maze trials was to test these young adults um, to see their brain activity. And so it was supposed to be really challenging. And I feel like the number thing, I, I think a lot of people could have figured that one out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, give well, it like, three why years. Why would it take yeah. them so long to figure out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I. Especially when they was gave my... them an extra year. <laughs> yes. I'm like, how <laughs> dumb are these people? They're supposed to be the best and brightest. Um, Immune which, to the flare. Which is why they're all named after, like, famous smart people. Thomas Edison, Isaac Newton, etc., etc. Albie is short for Albert from Albert Einstein. At all. We'll just put it yes. at all there at the end. <laughs> I could keep going, but I don't know. I just think that they really simplified that part. And I think that that was kind of like one of the coolest parts of the book was figuring out this code and like solving the puzzle along with them. Mm -hmm. So that was my biggest complaint because, um, I mean, they still had like a code and a password and like having to do all of that. They just simplified it a lot. And I think that the audience was smart enough that they could have made it a bit more complicated and the audience still could have kept up. Yeah, but at the same time, to make sure that it was still followable, mm -hmm. for lack of a better way to put it, um, for the movie, I mean, I can understand why they would want to simplify it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but so, I like, feel like so it, defeats, it defeats the whole purpose of the trial but to I'm be with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mentally challenging. Like, it's supposed to be really hard, so. Yeah. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yep, that's my number one. Uh, so, yeah, so that is The Maze Runner. Um, yep. Book one. Those are our thoughts on the first book slash movie. We do have one fan faux pas. Yes. Today, um, we were a little late getting it up again. Um, going forward, Sorry, we're going to try. <laughs> I have started working full time, and so my schedule is a hot mess. <laughs> But going forward, we're going to try to get it up like a full 24 hours before we record. Mm -hmm. um, so that if you. And on the calendar, we do say when we're recording. Mm -hmm. So that if you want to send in your thoughts, you can. So, yeah, going forward, we're going to try to be better about that. But yes. Today, we just have the one. So Allie L says, I feel the movie was really different from the book. But the movie was still really good to me. I think the thing I wish was in the movie was that Thomas and Teresa could communicate telepathically. Which is interesting. Because that's something that, as I said earlier, I was okay without. <laughs> but. But I mean, I think, yes, it would have been good because for the reasons we mentioned before, character development, mm -hmm. seeing Teresa's personality a bit more, seeing her connection with Thomas. Yeah. But on the other hand, I can definitely understand how that would have been really hard to portray in the movie and may have ended up totally ruining things. So I just think it would have distracted from the main point of the story yeah. in a lot of ways. So mm -hmm. I think that just about wraps us up. We just got to ask the, 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 the age point. old question. Was the book better? No, really? 
I don't know. I'm in the middle. That doesn't mean the the movie was better. (laughs) Fair. Okay. Yeah. You know. The question is: Was the book better than the movie? Is implied in that question, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess they're about equal. And I'm saying no. I don't think the book was better than the movie. I'm also not saying the movie was better than the book. But I can enjoy both of them, and I like both of them, and I can't decide. Which one's better? If one's better than the other. If so. I had to if I had to pick, I'd still probably say the book just for the reasons I kind of mentioned earlier. Well, I can like that, the but I like, can like the a, book more without thinking that it's better amount. than the movie. You know? Eh, a minuscule amount better. Okay. Well I digress. Barely. But I, I, I do agree. I mean, it's hard to pick between the two. They are both independently very well done. Very, mm-hmm. very good. But this is the only movie in this series that I have seen. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes going, going forward. forward. <laughs> so with that, um, we. Yeah, we're just going to continue with the Maze Runner series. So the next one is the Scorch Trials, mm-hmm. which we'll do in two weeks time. And so if you how, because of the way we record, if you're thinking about that, though, if you want to get a fan faux pas in for the Scorch Trials, that's like a week and a half from when this episode gets released. Yes. Yeah. So is when we'll start asking for those fan faux pas or yes. you can look email the, them in at look any at the time. calendar. <laughs> yes. Look at the calendar, but you can also email them in at any time to TBWB podcast at gmail.com on the mm. social media aspect of things. You do kind of have to wait for us to ask, but I mean, you can shoot us a message. I mean, you could yeah, just DM us, but um, yeah. you could also just send us an email. I mean, you can send us an email with fan faux pas or thoughts about any book that is also a movie, you know, cause we'll most likely get to it eventually and we'll check True. the email before. But yeah. Um, I think that that finishes that up. So yeah, we will talk to you all in two weeks or yeah, in a thanks. week. If you listen to our minisodes. <laughs> yes, there will be a minisode next week. So keep an eye out for that. But um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am curious to hear all of your thoughts on what we said. And so be sure to look at our social media to respond. Um, Join when the we conversation. Post all of this. Yeah. Yeah. We like to interact with y'all. <laughs> but other than that, uh, we will talk to you later. So. Alrighty. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye. Bye.